Welcome to Louise's Health Kick podcast with Louise Mercier. Louise is a nutritional therapist, award-winning author of How Food Shapes Your Child, and a presenter on Early Years TV Food Channel. As well as all this, Louise is the force behind the Health Kick, promoting a healthy lifestyle without the contradictory and often misplaced advice in the world of nutrition. Hello and welcome to Louise's Health Kick podcast. Today I am delighted to be joined by Mariana Fedori. Mariana is an author, speaker and lifestyle fitness coach. She started her career as a national team rower and then became a health coach to help thousands of people in many countries. She ended up developing her own mythology, which we will talk about, called the Reset Method. And her method is discussed in her upcoming book, F the Diet. Now, insert which F you wish into that. We'll go with forget, perhaps. But you can, you know, my, my real motive may be another word, but for keeping it friendly, we'll stick with forget the diet. So I'm really delighted to join you, Mariana, to my podcast. And to start with, I'd just like you to tell us your story really and introduce yourself and and how you've ended up doing what you're doing fantastic it's an honor to be here Louise. um i start really my mother was a trainer and at 15 years old i decided to be one a model so i decided to stop eating completely and uh, diet coke and pumpkins uh, was my way to go so of course I developed anorexia and I end up really really in a bad shape so with that I start to take medicines uh, cortisone because of the pneumonia and etc for health problems I end up having and I balloon in six months 18 kilos Oh, things go by. I end up, um, I, I need to lose weight at this point, And I end up starting rowing. Well, my career starts to go really, really good. Um, and then suddenly I start to, when I was uh, making my way to the Olympic Games, um, I start to have loads of pain in all the single joints, Every single joint, <laughs> knuckles, uh, knee, uh, elbow, everything. I was just 21. Um, then when was I, I was diagnostic with fibromyalgia. Um, with that in mind, I couldn't exercise anymore, but I still coaching people. Um, and then I start to understand human suffering, human pain, when 20 doctors say that there is no solution for you, you're never more going to exercise, you start to understand what is lack of hope, pain. And from being this very high-level athlete to not knowing what to do with your life, I start to go really deep into fitness and what, uh, <laughs> what is fitness, what is exercise, and how can we deal when the situation is not the best for the person? And that's how I start to understand in a different way how to bring people from in a position that they don't like their bodies, the body is not going the way they want, and moving into striving, having real joy and uh, fitness, loving their body and knowing their body is working for them not against them. So that's really my journey. I completely self-heal. And for 19 years, I've been coaching people every day 
with this methodology? I think that's that's a really, really important factor. For many people, they see exercise as something that fit and healthy people do. And it's a lot of the time the way that exercise is presented, you know, with fitness clothing. I think we're starting to see some improvements. But with fitness clothing, with fitness adverts, with with gyms, it's always showing a, a representation of society. There's not a true representation of society. So people who perhaps don't like exercise, and a lot of people, that starts in childhood and they have this deep-rooted fear of, of exercise from childhood. And it's it's a lifelong, I really don't want to do that. It's, it's intimidating. So I think it's really important that we have something which shows that actually exercise isn't for fit and healthy people exercise and I think the word exercise sometimes scares people as well so movement activity using your body in any way that is appropriate in the way that humans are designed to move is really important because I think people are scared and intimidated and feel oh no that's not for me that's all all people say I'll do that when I lose some weight and when I get to this weight or this size, then I'll be able to go to the gym. And we really need to change that, don't we? So how do you as a coach, when you'll meet somebody and they have that mindset and it's really fixed, how do you help to support them to move from that to the place where they can start to appreciate their body and even enjoy movement? Because we all can enjoy some form of movement. Yeah, so... Really, um, the journey is towards um, first breaking down this pattern because I either I work as well with uh, teaching them again how to eat, eat, teach them again how to move the body, teaching them again how to think about a healthy lifestyle. Um, so I start from the base. Um, Come join me. I promise you I'm really friendly. I promise you you're not gonna die around me. You're not gonna, I'm not gonna treat you as a boot camp. We're gonna have a conversation, see you where you are, and move you from there. From that, I start to to spike on people the idea that uh, movement is a need, is a need of the human body. We're still biological beings. But how are we going to do movement to be something important to you? Uh, most of the people, especially in UK here where I'm based, they think it's vanity uh, to take care of the body. And sometimes they think it's silly. It's not because if we don't have energy, we cannot be good leaders in our job. We cannot be really empower people in our careers, family, whatever. We need this energy. So it's bringing them to this place and getting them to realize that uh, once they have energy, vitality, they can bring anything to the world and we need them. And um, food will be, good choices in food will be a huge part. No diet, please. And movement where they start to feel the joy again because no kid think like, I don't want to play. I want to be seated here doing whatever. So bringing again this um, child-like style on them and, um, and making them realize that there is super boring exercise, that I will not do it. Don't put me in some exercise. doesn't make sense for me. I, I'm no, I feel like a rat. I lock it. So I'm not going to do this. So what is the kind of movement you love at? 
and you have joy. And then getting this person to say after a time, I thought I never would say I love exercise, but now I do it. Exactly. I think that that is really important because, as you say, from your personal story, you found the you found the joy that it could bring you in a different way. It could have been a very different story for you. Many people who have been at that level and then have a setback, it could have been a completely different story. It could have been, you know, well, going down a different road of depression or, you know, thinking it's all over and what else can I do? You used that situation for the positive and found that actually you may not be able to do the extreme level you were doing, but you found peace and joy doing other things and I think for many people they they feel like this is a dead end and there are no alternatives it could be just their mindset around exercise and and their health in general and you're right in this country we see self-care as a luxury um we don't see it as something we should do every day always we see it as a luxury or something we do when we want to achieve something the dreaded diet to go on a holiday or to fit in a dress um, or for some purpose, not for ourselves. And as soon as we can change that to realize that actually our body is the only vessel we have to truly live in, you know, it doesn't matter how big our house is or what, how nice our car is, our body is the place we really live. And if our body isn't working for us, everything else doesn't really matter. As you say, it's not just the time you spend moving. It's the time you spend thinking at work. It's your relationships. It's your family relationships. It's your future health, how long you're going to live. It's literally everything. So I think people need to take from what you're saying um, as there is no dead end. There is always something that suits every single body no matter how big you are no matter how unfit you are no matter how many roads you've been down previously there is something that suits you and I think that's that's definitely something that people can take away yes so well said by you and um, I just don't want people to think I didn't went to depression I did I did went to depression I did went to hopelessness but I I decided that there has to be a way because my life will not end here at 21 years old. So, yes, uh, we are here that we are coaching people. It's not because we never tap in a place that we don't know what to do at. It's not because we have incredible willpower. It's the decisions we start to make, healthier decisions. And uh, no, I can't do it, but how can I do it? Who do I need to mentor me? Who can help me to think different? What alternatives I have to this situation? Because um, this world is so big. Someone already solved the problem you are in. Uh, and that's the mindset I have nowadays is who can help me on this? So well done. You really pick it up my point. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Because I think it really is an important point. And, you know, your story shows that I think a better coach is somebody who has lived through something. You know, when I started out as a personal trainer, I was young. I'd always enjoyed exercise. I was really fit. I looked the part and it was way before I had my child and, and all the other things. And I loved exercise and I was young and I couldn't understand why other people didn't enjoy exercise. And unfortunately, I was a trainer that would make people go running, that would make people lift weights. And it was only as I grew and got older, and yes, there was more training, but it was me growing as a person. 
that made me completely change my ways and I still see so many personal trainers who are just getting it all wrong and I know I've been there I've done it I'll hold my hands up and say I've, I've done that beastly people and, Me you know, too. No, and we've all done it I think anyone who is a personal trainer who especially if they start young has has done that to people and as we get older I think we realize our empathy towards what people go through and now as a mum and I'm older, and I'm fatter, and you know, and all of those things. I'm like, I can see now the other side more than when I was young, and it really makes people better coaches. So, for you to have that backstory, I think is really inspiring as a coach because you're not just somebody who has got amazing willpower, who has you know got this professionalism and has been able to do this. You're somebody who's had to bounce back, and that makes you very empathetic to others so tell us a bit about your upcoming book because I know the book launch is quite soon isn't it it's 16th of May which is very exciting so yes I can't wait we are less than seven weeks away from launching the book it's a project that I've been working um, for more than a year really it's a framework I've been using for 19 years and improving throughout the years um, it's based in five pillars what the first place I need to put people in the right place because <laughs> we all know that um, diets don't work long term. <laughs> we are being tried so many. And if people were trying different ones, it's because it failed on them. So there is another way. We never had so many diets, so many programs, and uh, we have a really epidemic of obesity now. Yeah, exactly. I think if you um, listen to the last two podcast interviews we've done here, they've both been on that very subject. Um, we had Robert joining us from LA with his book, which you would really enjoy, Supersized Lies. Um, I can't remember the exact title, but the, the weight loss myths that are keeping us fat. And it's fascinating. You would really enjoy it because it's all those things you're saying. Why do people go from one to another? Because the whole industry doesn't work. Not one diet doesn't work and you're not achieving it. The whole industry is designed on a repeat business model because they know they don't work and they know people will have to come back. And and then the, the second interview with the, um, a professor, Professor Paul Gately, on, on he's a professor of obesity, was just discussing the true complexities of, of obesity and how a diet will never, never, no matter how many years you try, will never fix that because it's just not getting to the root of the issues. And I think, you know, people need to realize it's not their fault. And that's yes. probably one of the places you start with people. It's not your fault. This is all designed against you. Yeah. And if you, we was robots, it would work, you know, because we would be much simple. Whatever is studied in rats would work for us, whatever. But we're not. we complex human beings, each one with one background, each one with um, a backstory. So maybe... Maybe you, and I see so much this, um, women sexual abuse. How do you want this woman to connect with themselves when the body brings them so much pain, just the memories? So is this beautiful work to embrace people in a level that they can feel safe enough to connect with themselves and um, being power again, connected, aligned, so they can perform again, as in um, 
eating be better, taking care of themselves, or exercise, start to exercise, continuously exercise is a lifestyle. All of those things, we need to really love a person to bring safety. And they can go from there because life is complex. And if we treat people like, you just do that and you do that, we forget that there is a human being um, acting uh, loads of the time unconscious they don't know the software that is running at the background. And more they try, each time they try, is so much courage and so much hope put it into something. And it fails on them. is such a shame because uh, this person been trying hard. So I had enough of seeing people not loving themselves and thinking they are not worth uh, because the body is holding a little bit more weight. So putting them in a place that you are amazing, you are beautiful, you are powerful, and from that, we're going to bring everything. Also, don't be accommodate of, um, well, radical acceptance, but not doing anything. We all know that um, the body, a lot more fat in the body, or a bit more fat, bring really bad um, health issues for us. That's been proven. So we need to do something about, but let's do this with the lenses of love, joy, instead of punishment. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, because I think many people do punish themselves. And I think certainly in this country, the media has a big role to play in that as well, because often when obesity is discussed in the, line, in the headlines, even with a, um, a health message, it's very much done as a, the individual is at, is to, as at fault, the individual's to blame. Um, if there's an obese child who has health problems, it's the parent's fault. Um, if people themselves are obese, it's, well, you're costing the NHS this much money. There's no real empathy for the reasons why people carry too much weight. There's no real explanation that actually changes to the food industry over the last 20 years have caused a large majority of the weight change in people, particularly children, because they're exposed to far more, let's just call them weird, ingredients um, in the food supply than ever before, which is leading to all sorts of health problems, including weight. There's never an explanation or an acceptance on any bigger part. It's always left to, well, you just eat too much and you don't move enough. No, like you say, if we were robots, yes, with a very simple biology, energy in energy out that would make sense that that argument would work but we are not robots and we're not in a laboratory under clinical testing where that method also works we're in the real world with stress with families with financial problems especially now lots of food going through the roof healthy food we know on average is three times more expensive anyway so now we have this added issue of food prices going up even more a massive escalation in the health and wealth divide. And then we're going to see obesity rise at the same time as these other health problems we're seeing from the changes in food, the increase in food supply. And it doesn't mean that people starve. People think, oh, when people can't afford food, we'll have malnourishment, we'll have starvation. We don't, we have obesity. And that's, I think, people will see somebody and a news story perhaps who's overweight saying they can't afford to eat and their callous brain will say, well, it looks like we can afford to eat. 
And that message is so wrong. They're that size because they can't afford the healthier alternatives. That is not their fault. That is the food industry's fault. That is not going to change. So we need to take all of those factors into consideration and totally remove the blame. Some people might eat too much. Well, that's fine. Not everybody, though. Not the majority. Obesity is not caused by eating too much. And a lot of people get confused by that. So I'm rabbiting on. Sorry, I get this is why I get very excited on my subjects. This is one that I do. It's just, I hate the way obesity is represented. Um, and I know that, that you'll agree with me. And I think it when, what you do in removing that blame on the individual is so important because the media is never going to do it. The food is never going to do it and the government are never going to do it. So we need to help people to see that for themselves. And also there is um, a little bit, a little bit, I would say quite a lot of fight, internal fight, when we start to change a little bit the nutrition. Uh, because people say like, but all my friends eat those things. Well, but most of the people are not doing well health-wise, energy-wise, and happiness-wise, <laughs> which I are my three biggest subjects are health, healing, and happiness. Um, so I think we have to act a little bit out of the normal to have an extraordinary life. And if we start acting like everybody's acting, we're going to go to a place that is not good. At the end of the day, um, people, <laughs> just have you that will face whatever you're going to face in your life. If you get sick or something on those lines, who end up facing all these issues is you, is not all those friends. So it's bringing people to have full responsibility and very good choices for them, empower them with knowledge and breaking patterns so when they choose, they feel super happy because they choose that option. I'm never going to tell you have to do that because this is what the other things are doing, other diets, and doesn't work. It's People don't like being told what to do, do they? I don't like I it. I don't like it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and if you say to me, don't eat that, I think the whole day is out that I'm going to think, even if I don't like the exactly. food. I'm you eating it to spite them. And that makes no sense because I might not even like it. But if I'm told not to do it, I'm like, I'm and I won't like it. But that's, that's beside the point. That's just my strange walk logic. <laughs> 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 exactly so all of those things doesn't work for a human being it might work for something else but human beings are beautiful and complex when we can step on the shoes of the other human being we can really solve this issue and uh, the most important is what's the simplest way without overwhelm and if a mother I work a lot with uh, women very busy women um, 35, 50 years old, around this age, and they can completely change how their child grow up, raise it, and how much they love exercise or food. Because if they start to live this, they can influence a lot their kids' life or teenager. Uh, so I think leading by example is the best you can do it because most women are really worried to to give, to give, to give. And now it's time to step back and 
if you have all those things, it's way easier for people to receive because they're going to see as um, one example that works and they keep in their uh, software <laughs> ingrained. That's how mom used to do it. And I will get there like this. So that's really, really important for women to stop Men as well, of course, they are beautiful. And uh, I will highlight the insecurity that men have that we need to help them to embrace them. They look very confident, but most of the time there is an insecurity behind. In women, there is this givingness that is all about others. So that's the main things uh, we need to look uh, in human beings and start to address. I think that's that's another really important point in terms of influencing across generations, because that's something that I'm quite passionate about in my work in early years, because what we're actually seeing with generations is a decline in health. And normally in terms of human evolution, it goes the other way. And each generation is healthier than the generation before them. And life expectancy is generally longer with each generation this is the first time in human evolution that hasn't been affected by war or famine that we're expecting our children not to live as long as the grown-up and it's a scientific prediction that is widely held across many communities and I just can't understand why there's not more of an uproar about it and why we're allowing it to happen um and it's just it, it's really terrifying and something that I'm very passionate about so anything that we can do to influence the next generation via our actions, via our changing in thoughts and habits that become habitual, that become the norm. Not, oh, mum's on a diet again, how long will it last? But a difference in mum, a happier mum, a healthier mum, a more active and energetic mum, that's the thing that will leave that genetic imprint on the next generation. And the next generation, because what we do, how we feel, how we act, what we eat, impacts not only on our children, but their children. So we see this generational impact on how we live our lives. And I think mums need to remove that guilt, that exercises time for them that they don't have. need to prioritize it. I, for years, have put it in my diary as a thing to do in the day. And if I don't, if it, there's a meeting that comes in and I haven't done my exercise, I will say I can't make that meeting. I will prioritize it. And I have done, even when I had a proper job in the real world, um, and wasn't self-employed I still did it then um, because I'm not as productive I get really twitchy when I have to sit down for too long I can't concentrate I get really bored and agitated and fidgety and I'm you know I'm just not productive so I think we need to factor it in as something that actually helps our day isn't something to try to fit in but it's the first thing to go when anything else comes in Yes, fantastic what you say. Priority in ourselves, priority in our health. Looks like it's forgotten now, uh, priority in health. I, I face this as a, an issue, a challenge, that many of my clients come with absolutely no priority of their health. And I say to them, as you decide to put on your calendars yourself or not, if you don't fill up this time with you, someone else will take over. As your family, as someone else will handle your schedule and will put something in this time. So you got to put it there because you're going to be more productive. You can use flow states on your work and be way more creative, <laughs> solve uh, 
challenge way faster. You can um, have a, sleep better, so you're really productive and can do good decisions in the next day. And uh, especially choices of food. If you don't eat well or not enough, uh, your choices of food in the next day are really poor and your cortisol levels are high. So it, it is a bomb for uh, obesity or putting weight. And even if you're not eating as much. The other thing is diet can dysregulate our system for up to six years. So one diet, we did a crazy diet and then we start to don't produce much leptin. We start to, um, the metabolic rate go down. So it's clear up, it's reset. That's why my method is reset. Press the reset. Let's put it everything back to, to the beginning. <laughs> Let's clear up and put in a way that your system is working with you, not against you. <laughs> your system is always trying to keep you uh, for survival, really. Is survival is not your performance. It's survival for the day. Can we clear up and your system can optimally work and the environment is good enough for the system to work? So that's the thing we are fighting against is environmental marketing. How of those things going this busy life we are living nowadays? So congratulations for your beautiful, beautiful work changing the life of so many. Well, and to you, Mariana, and I think to sort of come to a conclusion, because I know that you and I could talk all day on this subject, but we have to, you know, bear in mind that others may not be as, you know, enthusiastic on the subject as us, so we can't keep them all day. Um, but certainly I think to remember um, ourselves as individuals is key. Um, to remember that hormones, you mentioned leptin. Um, for those who don't know, leptin is the hormone that enables us to feel full, um, which is really important for weight management. But we are working against that because most of the foods we have around us produce uh, ghrelin or gremlin, the hunger hormone, which makes us crave all the wrong foods and naturally suppresses the leptin production, which enables us to feel naturally full and satisfied. So we need to remember that there's much more at play and we are often told by the media, by the diet industry, and by some in the industry that we work in, um, and that we need to remember ourselves as individuals, we are working against, imagine yourself as a salmon swimming upstream in an obesogenic environment where everything is designed against a healthy lifestyle. So we need to remember that and remove the blame, remove the shame, remove all those negative feelings and wipe the slate clean work with somebody like Mariana, get the book, which we'll get the link in a moment, and just work on a blank canvas that actually stepping forward today, day one, any positive change, all the negativity gone, moving forward, today's a new day, tomorrow's a new day. And that's the thing with diets, people think, oh, it's just, it's all gone wrong, horribly wrong, what's the point? We don't need to have the attitude, we need to remove the guilt and just reset. Reset, I didn't even know it was getting that in. See, it's already subliminally getting to me, your reset method. So. Mariana, it's been wonderful chatting to you and I wish you all the best with the book launch and I do want you to keep us informed of the launch when it happens, um, tell us how it's going and tell people where they can get the book when it's available as well so that we can make sure that that gets out there and people are able to get this message and, and move forward healthily. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much. Um, Louise, they can just jump in my website and everything will be there is www.marianacadori.com. 
You've been listening to Louise's Health Kick podcast with Louise Masia, discussing all things health and nutrition to show you that food and health are intrinsically linked and teaching you how amazing you can feel. Find out more at www.thehealthkick.co.uk or read her book, How Food Shapes Your Child, or get in touch on social media. This is a 1386 audio production. 